Chapter One of Virgin Soil, Volume One, by Ivan Turgenev, translated by Constance Garnett. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. At one o'clock on a spring day of eighteen sixty-eight, in Petersburg, a man of twenty-seven, carelessly and shabbily dressed, was mounting the back stairs of a five-storied house in Officers Street, tramping heavily with his overshoes trodden down at heel and slowly rolling his bulky ungainly person as he moved this man at last reached the very top of the stairs he stopped before a half-open door hanging off its hinges and without ringing the bell merely giving a noisy sigh he swung into a small dark anteroom is neshtanov at home he called in a deep and loud voice he's not i'm here come in came from the next room another voice a woman's also rather gruff mashurina queried the newcomer yes it's me and you ostrodumov pimen ostrodumov he answered and first carefully pulling off his rubber overshoes and then hanging his threadbare little old cloak on a nail he went into the room from which the woman's voice had come this room low-pitched and dirty with its walls coloured a dingy green was dimly lighted by two dusty windows the only furniture in it was a small iron bedstead in the corner, a table in the middle, a few chairs, and a bookcase crammed with books. Near the table was sitting a woman of thirty, bareheaded, in a black woollen gown, smoking a cigarette. When she saw Storodomov come in, she held out her broad red hand to him without speaking. He shook it, also without speaking, and sinking into a chair, he pulled a half-smoked cigar out of his side pocket mashurina gave him a light he began smoking and without saying a word or even exchanging glances they both set to puffing rings of bluish smoke into the close air which was already saturated with tobacco fumes these two people had something in common though in features they were not alike about their slovenly figures with coarse lips and teeth and noses ostrodomov was marked with smallpox too there was an air of honesty and stoicism and industry have you seen neshtanov ostrodomov inquired at last yes he'll be here directly he's gone to the library with the books ostrodomov turned aside and spat how is it he's forever gadding about now there's no finding him mashurina took out another cigarette he's bored she pronounced carefully lighting it bored repeated ostrodomov reproachfully what self-indulgence one would think we'd no work for him to do here are we praying we may get through all the work decently somehow and he's bored any letter come from moscow inquired mashurina after a brief pause yes the day before yesterday have you read it ostrodomov merely nodded well what's the news oh someone will have to go there soon mashurina took the cigarette out of her mouth why so everything's all right there i'm told yes it's all right only one man's shown he's not to be depended on so that we must shift him or else get rid of him altogether oh and there are other things they ask for you too in the letter yes mashurina shook back her heavy hair twisted up carelessly into a small knot behind it fell in front over her forehead and eyebrows ah well she declared since the order's given it's no use discussing it of course not only it can't be done without money and where are we to get the money mashurina pondered neshtanov will have to produce it she said in an undertone as though to herself 
that's the very thing i've come about observed ostrodomov have you got the letter with you mashurina asked suddenly yes would you like to read it yes give it me no you needn't though we'll read it together afterwards i tell the truth muttered ostrodomov you needn't doubt it well i don't doubt it and both sank into silence again and as before only the rings of smoke floated from their silent lips and coiling feebly rose above their dishevelled heads the thud of overshoes was heard in the anteroom here he is whispered mashurina the door was opened slightly and in the crack was thrust a head but not the head of neshtanov it was a little round head with rough black hair a broad wrinkled forehead very keen little brown eyes under bushy eyebrows a nose pointing in the air like a duck's and a tiny rosy comical mouth this head took a look round nodded smiled showing a number of tiny white teeth and came into the room accompanied by its rickety little body short arms and somewhat bandy and lame little legs directly mashurina and ostrodomov caught sight of this head the faces of both expressed a sort of condescending contempt as though each of them were inwardly saying oh it's only he and they did not utter a single word did not stir a muscle however the reception accorded him not only failed to embarrass the visitor but apparently afforded him positive gratification what's the meaning of this he said in a squeaky voice a duet why not a trio and where's the first tenor do you mean to inquire after neshtanov mr paklin replied ostrodomov with a serious face precisely so mr ostrodomov i mean him he'll be here directly most likely mr paklin it's very delightful to hear that mr ostrodomov the little cripple turned to mashurina she sat scowling and went on deliberately puffing at her cigarette how are you dear dear there how annoying i always forget your name and your father's mashurina shrugged her shoulders and there's no need whatever to know them you know my surname what more do you want and what a question how are you can't you see i'm alive all right true most true cried paklin his nostrils dilating and his eyebrows twitching if you weren't alive your humble servant would not have the pleasure of seeing you here and talking to you put my question down to a bad old-fashioned habit but as for your name and your father's you know it's rather awkward to say boldly mashurina i'm aware it's true that you even sign your letters so bonaparte that's to say mashurina but still in conversation but who asks you to talk to me Parklin laughed nervously as though he were choking there that's enough my dear creature shake hands don't be cross don't i know you've the best heart in the world and i've a good heart too eh Parklin held out his hand mashurina looked at him darkly she shook hands with him however if you positively must know my name she said with the same gloomy face by all means my name's fekla and mine pimen ostrodomov added in his bass ah that's very very instructive but that being so tell me o fekla and you o pimen tell me why you behave with such unfriendliness such persistent unfriendliness to me while i mashurina thinks ostrodomov interrupted and she's not the only one who thinks it that as you look at every subject from the ridiculous side there's no relying upon you paklin turned sharply round on his heels there she that's the mistake people are continually making in criticizing me most honored pimen 
in the first place i'm not always laughing and secondly that would not in the least prevent your being able to rely upon me which is proved indeed by the flattering confidence i've more than once enjoyed in your ranks i'm an honest man most reverend pimen ostrodomov muttered something between his teeth while parklin shook his head and repeated now with the faintest trace of a smile no i'm not always laughing i'm anything but a light-hearted person you need only look at me ostrodomov did look at him and in fact when parklin was not laughing when he was silent his face wore an expression almost of dejection almost of terror it became humorous and even malicious directly he opened his mouth ostrodomov said nothing however parklin again turned to mascherina well and how are your studies progressing are you successful in your truly philanthropic art i should guess it's a difficult job helping the inexperienced citizen on his first entrance into the light of day no not at all difficult so long as he is not much bigger than you answered mascherina who had just taken her diploma as a midwife and she smiled complacently a year and a half before she had left her own people a family of poor nobles in south russia and had come to petersburg with six roubles in her pocket she had entered a lying in institution and by unceasing hard work had gained the coveted diploma she was a single woman and a very chaste single woman nothing wonderful in that some skeptic will say remembering what has been said of her exterior something wonderful and rare let us be permitted to say parklin laughed again when he heard her retort you're a smart person my dear he cried you had me there nicely i deserve it why did i stay such a shrimp but what can have become of our host parklin purposely changed the subject he had never been able to resign himself to his diminutive stature and his unsightly little person altogether he felt it the more keenly as he was a passionate admirer of women what would he not have given to attract them the consciousness of his pitiful exterior was a much sorer wound to him than his humble origin or his unenviable position in society parklin's father had been simply a tradesman who through shifty dodges of one sort and another had risen to the rank of titular councillor he had been a successful go-between in legal business and a speculator and agent for houses and property he had made a respectable fortune but drank heavily towards the end of his life and left nothing at his death young parklin he had been named silas samsonich that is strength son of samson which he also regarded as a jeer at his expense had been educated at a commercial school where he learned german thoroughly after various rather disagreeable experiences he got at last into a private business house for a salary of about a hundred and fifty pounds a year on that sum he kept himself a sick aunt and a humpbacked sister at the time of our story he was just twenty-eight parklin was acquainted with a number of students young men who liked him for his cynical wit the light-hearted venom of his audacious talk and his one-sided but genuine and unpedantic learning only occasionally he suffered at their hands one day he was somehow late at a political gathering as he came in he began at once hurriedly making excuses poor parklin was afeard sang out someone in a corner and they all roared with laughter parklin at last laughed himself though his heart was sore he spoke the truth the ruffian he thought to himself he made neshtanov's acquaintance at a greek eating-house where he used to go and dine and where he constantly expressed very free and bold opinions he used to declare that the chief cause of his democratic frame of mind was the execrable greek cookery which upset his liver 
yes really what has become of our host repeated parklin i've noticed for some time past he seemed out of spirits can he be in love heaven forfend mashurina scowled he's gone to the library for some books he's no time to be in love and no one to be in love with how about you almost broke from parklin's lips i want to see him he uttered aloud because i have to talk to him about an important affair what sort of affair put in ostrodomov our affairs perhaps yours that is our common affairs ostrodomov hummed in his heart he was doubtful but then he reflected who can tell he's such a slippery eel here he comes at last said mashurina suddenly and in her small unlovely eyes that were fastened on the door of the anteroom there was a flash of something warm and tender a kind of deep inward spot of light the door opened and this time there entered a young man of three-and-twenty a cap on his head and a bundle of books under his arm nezhdanov himself End of chapter one